Before you listen to the podcast, I want to ask for your input. Chagas have launched a survey to help identify the impact of the very wet autumn. The loss of winter crop area will be compounded by a lack of seed for spring cereals, which may lead to unsown land on many farms in 2024. Chagas are asking all tillage farmers to participate in the survey to tell us how much land which was destined for spring crops is still unsown and your intentions for this area in 2024. The link to the survey is in the show notes. rule of thumb really is a little and often. Traditionally, the lowest prices that we generally get are at harvest time when markets all across across the world are probably at their fullest. So we actually probably sell at the wrong time of the year. So generally speaking, I suppose you don't want to overextend yourself. So look at your long term average yields on the farm and maybe sell, you know, a little bit at a time and no more, I suppose, overall than maybe 40 or 50 percent of what your average yields would be going back over the last four or five years. Having an optimistic view is one of the cornerstones for all farmers. As if you weren't optimistic as a farmer, I'm not sure you'd be farming today. Undoubtedly, there will be many challenges in 2024, but there are also areas where farmers can be positive about. You are listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy, and I would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And before we go any further, I really want to wish you and your family a very happy and safe new year for 2024. Farmers are playing catch up in terms of planted area on most farms. This may present some difficulties in the early part of the season, but if the weather cooperates, then hopefully farmers can establish the desired crops. To discuss what 2024 holds, I'm delighted to be joined again by Kieran Collins and Shay Phelan, who are tillage specialists in Chagas. Kieran, can I come to you first? Here, looking at the cropping year in 2024, how or what level of winter crops are sown out there in comparison to normal? Yeah, we're we're still well back, I think, Michael. Um, you know, as I say, the winter barley probably has taken the biggest hit this year. You know, planting opportunities just just haven't been there for it. Some catch up in 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 winter wheat, but I think we are we're certainly well 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 behind behind normal. I think. Okay. And in terms of the areas that are sown, and obviously there was a good bit of um, ground planted towards um, maybe the back end of November and maybe even even into early December with that dry weather that was there. Do you think there's much of the area that has been sown maybe all the way through the autumn that needs to be re-sown? Yeah, it's it's a difficult to quantify, but I know I was say at a few, you know, meetings there that a lot of farmers were at there before Christmas and that, and certainly talking to growers, I think every grower that's at an autumn cereal this year has some to re-sow, or certainly some that's that's not up to scratch. Um quantifying it is is really, really difficult. I suppose look, weather conditions just never came perfect at any stage. So that's why every field probably has has some bit of a, uh, a bit missing, you know. Whether some of them should be resown or not, then that's 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 probably another question, I suppose, really. I was I was going to ask you that particular question because I suppose crops can often um surprise people in terms of what how they can do, even given very low uh plant counts out there but you might might maybe describe the steps a farmer should go through before deciding what are replanting the crop or maybe even part of that crop is the is the way to go yeah the first thing i always say is like i mean replanting is the very very last option you know because if you think about it you've spent say maybe 50 odd euros an acre on seed you might have spent 100 euros in terms of machinery costs to put it there so that 150 euro if you take that crop out you know that's a cost that's in the system and it's a cost that 
the, the succeeding crop has to wear. So if you add 150 euros an acre onto a, a crop, the costs of growing a crop of spring barley, you know, it's going to be very, very hard to come out the right side of that. So that's why I'm kind of saying, you know, you do you do every other job on the farm that needs to be done in terms of planting, you know, other crops and and, and, and managing them and all of that. And then I think you kind of need to leave it as late as possible almost to make the decision. Because like you said, sometimes, you know, crops can, where you see maybe a low plant count um, and you go back in, the first bit of growth comes in the spring and all of a sudden you say, hold on, I, I've got something that I can I can manage here. But I think the crucial thing really is to, you know, leave it as long as you can. And then you have to take measurements. Like you have to, you know, get out counter plants per square meter. You know, we can get down to very low plant counts in wheat, you know, and and still and still come up with a with 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 a reasonable yield, um, and I suppose the other point, I suppose just on on, on those resown crops, if, if if it comes to that, or maybe managing crops that are not resown but are probably suboptimal, is like we need to be very careful on the the spend on those because you know sometimes the temptation is to put on more nitrogen rather than less, and you know there's different different things that we or different ways that we need to 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 manage those crops, but I think managing them. In with regards to yield potential is probably the the crucial part of that as well i think Kieran, i wonder would it be reasonable to suggest also that on some of those um crops that look a bit trickier look a bit dodgy come come late february early march that um and a farmer has been probably looking at those for you know the past three or four months and almost had their mind made up that 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 maybe getting in a, a second opinion in terms of what's actually there mightn't be a bad idea before really deciding to to, to destroy that crop I think so. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, you know, get get someone else in to have a look if you like, and but just take a few measurements. You know, look if it's a bare field, it's a bare field, and that's that's obviously they're the easy ones. But the the tricky ones are, and which is more likely is you're going to get where there was wet spots in the field, or there's a quarter of an acre missing here or there. That sort of one, and and I suppose do the maths on it really. Like I mean, none of us like to see patchy crops we all love to see big full crops but at the end of the day look this has to be about making money you know and that's that's the that's the bottom line so look if a crop is going if you leave a crop there and it might do two and a half maybe or three ton of wheat like that's far better than taking it out and and, and getting a crop of you know two and a half or three ton crop of spring barley maybe you know Sure. So, Shay, there's certainly listening to Kieran. There, there is going to be increased area for uh, spring crops this year. Is there enough seed there to cover this area? Well, that's a six million dollar question, Michael. I mean, the indications before Christmas were that, you know, certainly spring barley seed, which is generally the default for crop for people to grow when you know winter plantings are lower, that certainly that seed won't be available in Ireland. So it looks like um, the seed houses are going to have to try and source that uh, somewhere else in Europe. And, you know, many of the countries across Europe, I think particularly the UK and the nor- northern countries like uh, Holland, Belgium, Denmark, they've had similar weather patterns to us. Um, so trying to get seed over there is going to be a challenge. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, they have availed us before and I presume they will get access to seed, be it it'll come probably with an increased cost. And Jay, just in terms of that, I suppose, rotation, if, if farmers haven't managed to get in the crops they wanted to get in, that has a potential to affect their rotation. What are the maybe the, the, the two or three things that farmers should consider before committing to a particular crop? 
Yeah, it's right, Michael. I mean, there are going to be issues or potentially issues there. I mean, um, so really they have to look at probably the first one that will probably come up is the, the, the commitment on the two and three crop rule, whether their planting will, will facilitate that. Um, so that sometimes that that can be an issue. And while there's no mention of a derogation yet, there's no guarantee one will be applied for or or, or got. So that's probably for for first in people's thoughts at the moment. Um, but other things like rotation in terms of and markets that you that you may potentially have or or, or don't have um, might be something that people if they're going to swap out of something like spring barley into other markets, whether it be some of the lower market or lower area crops like fodder beet or maize, do you have a, do you have a, a, a market for that? And diseases are the, and the other ones then in terms of uh, disease and weed control. Are there opportunities to control problem weeds, particularly in some of these other crops? Uh, and go to maybe crops that you can use, you know, kind of graminicides on if you have grass weeds. So there's a whole variety of things that people need to be thinking about when they, before they commit to a crop, you know. So, Kieran, in, just in terms of the, uh, the the winter crops, and hopefully, you know, in, in another month or so, we, we'll be getting to, to taking some of those management decisions uh, in terms of towards the middle or the end of February. What sort of factors should farmers maybe could be considering even now, thinking about some of those those crops that have come through? Maybe some of them are a little bit thinner than they would have liked, or maybe some of them are normal. I don't know. Or maybe uh, certainly some of them, I think, maybe even just look are looking a bit maybe nitrogen hungry already. Um, but what's this, the things we should be thinking about? I think firstly that you mentioned nitrogen is probably going to be a key factor, whether it's a you know a, full, a good full normal crop or whether it's maybe somewhat backward, which which I suspect a lot of them will be. We've had a huge amount of rain since since last July. So you'd expect soil residual nitrogen levels to be to be quite low. So, you know, maybe going that little bit earlier with nitrogen is 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 probably will be useful. I'm always very cautious on that one because um you know just because you go early with nitrogen certainly doesn't mean that you use more nitrogen overall. I think it's just kind of moving, you know, the thing forward a little bit. I think that's that's something we 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 need to be really careful of. And also in terms of when you go slightly earlier with nitrogen, it certainly doesn't have to be a big amount because just remember that the the crop demand is very very low in the early part of the spring when when growth starts. So I think it's maybe bring that nitrogen a little bit forward small bit it could be as maybe as low as 20 or 30 kilos to get a crop going but i think we really need to be need to be really careful on nitrogen that we don't that that 20 or 30 kilos isn't on top of what we normally apply um and secondly you know um that nitrogen application rate needs to match yield potential so you're you're just keeping an eye on your overall total and if that crop is a little bit thinner or backward it's not you know going to give you that 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 normal yield that you get you actually need to be using less overall but maybe front loading i suppose that's so that's the nitrogen one the other one that just sort of strikes me a little bit as well is uh in relation to weeds you know if you have thinner crops you have more spaces for weeds a lot of autumn herbicides were missed because people simply couldn't travel so i think getting in early you know getting that weed those weeds under control at the first opportunity i think that's vital because there will be more spaces for weeds you know we want the crops to tiller out and grow and fill those spaces and not not have weeds so i think i'd be taking early opportunities to get weed control done if 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 that happens you know okay and of, and of course we have the uh the uh, winter crop walks is normal uh, in about the second week in February. So I suppose people can, our listeners can put that into their diary as well. Shay, just coming back to, and, and Kieran talked a good bit about fertilizers there, and certainly they, they've reduced substantially in costs 
uh, you know, this year in comparison to, to this time last year in 2023. How do you think that is going to affect farmers in terms of what they're going to do? And I suppose maybe, I suppose I was probably thinking a little bit about P's and K's. Maybe people might not have been overly flahulic on them over the last year or maybe two. Yeah, you're right, Michael. I'd say, not say, there, there are people who certainly would have cut back on P and K applications over the last two years, really, not just 2023, the last two years, because they have been you know, very expensive over the last two years. So there are farmers, certainly, who would have cut back on P and K in the last couple of years. But that said, I mean, there, there are, and they're probably put out more this year to try and balance up what they've taken out from the last two years. But don't forget, last year, yields were probably lower than what you would like, so they probably didn't take out as much as 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 you would, would have expected. And on top of that, don't forget, we would have had a lot of uh, land where the straw was chopped in 2023. So that would be putting some P and K back into the soil. So from that point of view, people really should have, if they haven't got it done already, they should be doing an NMP plan to try and figure out what they what they what they actually need to put back into crops this year. If I also think Michael of nitrogen in terms of you know break crops or in terms of nitrogen that people can apply this year. I mean we had over thirty five thousand hectares of break crops between just oilseed rape uh, and beans and peas alone. So they're indexed two now for nitrogen. So that means you apply less nitrogen on those crops. So there's a significant opportunity here for people um to cut back on their fertilizer costs this year and make savings that probably they couldn't make last year because A, of the cost uh, of, of nitrogen last year. And I suppose the other thing they should be looking at now is is recording and, and, and you know recording data on their crops as well. And that will give them more information going forward, whether it be an NMP plan or do it on Gatekeeper um, to try and make sure that they have good records not only for 2024, but for, for, for subsequent years as well. And that will help them to better plan their fertilizer strategies into the future. Shay, you mentioned Gatekeeper there. Just just expand on that just a little bit there in terms of the, the chocolate software that's out there at the moment. Yeah, so at the moment, Michael, if people want to want to uh, facilitate of that offer out there, there's a subsidized rate um, for people to to use that package, that farm package, where you can record all your data on your farm, whether it be nutrients, whether it be pesticides. And I suppose just to give people a, a nod that this is coming down the line, and this, uh, this is going to have to be done in 2026, where you have to keep online records of everything you do on the farm in terms of pesticides and fertilizers. So this is something that they're going to have to do in the future. So there is an op- offer out there at the moment where they can get a reduced rate or reduced cost of that gatekeeper um, uh, platform to to record their 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 farm records. Okay, I think it's it's we we validated it fairly well, so it's uh, it, it it does give a huge amount back to farmers who are willing to put to put all their bits and pieces. Absolutely, into it. and I suppose the one thing that, that I like about it, Michael, is it gives you records, and when you have information like that, it helps you make decisions going forward. It's, I I don't like using these tools to see how good or bad I was two or three years ago. I like to use those to try and plan what I'm going to do from 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 next year onwards. You know. Okay, and talking about records, um, I suppose it's a it's a it's a it's a part of life, and it's a part of what we what farmers need to do in terms of making sure that compliance element of it is right for for the government and single farm payment or base that's out there. Kieran, maybe you might remind people about some of the main compliance issues that maybe they can start to plan for now that it's early January, um, for 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 the year ahead. Yeah. Um... We could probably do a full podcast on this and we probably still wouldn't have time. But, um, 
you know, look, I suppose it's a part of life now and conditionality that, that goes with our, our BIS payments, you know. So, look, I suppose, look, the crucial ones for the start of the year is just make sure you 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 have enough soil tests, you know. You can't apply P without a valid soil test. So I think that's the that's the first one there, max five hectares per soil sample. And then feeding into what Shea said, you know, there's a fertilizer database there now. So, you know, all your purchases are recorded. So you need to have a nutrient management plan because otherwise you don't know how much you can buy. So look, that's that's maybe on the fertilizer side of it. As we get into planting, look, just a few small ones there. Just be aware of uh, the buffer zones. It's three meters where you have water, basically. You know, um, you, you define it based on the different maps and things. But look, if you're if you if you, if you've got water, you need to keep out three meters, and that three meters extends to six meters. Um, you know, if you've got late harvested crops, so like the likes of of maize and potatoes, beet, they'd be the, the big ones there. Where and that six meter only applies to you know where the water can flow off the field into into the water course. So I suppose, look, that's the the buffer side of it. Um, I suppose the other key one then is in relation to, to just herbicide application, just to remember that those uncultivated uh, stubble, you know, for the seed eating boards, that 20, 25% of your area, that's the 1st of February, just, just a little one there. Um, and then maybe on the, I suppose, in relation to getting your BIS payments, um, just remember the eco scheme measures. I suppose most people remember which two measures they, they, they took from last year, whether that's space for nature, which you might just get automatically. Maybe a lot of tillage farmers would have GPS controlled fertilizer or sprayers. That would be ones some people might have taken on the soil sampling or, or planting a break crops. But look, again, just to keep an eye on that, think of what you did last year. Is it applicable again? Will it work? And maybe you need to sit down with your advisor there um one that just worries me a little bit is this whole crop rotation so 23 was year one so basically every parcel every field needs to have two crops in four years so 23 was year one so by 26 you know you need to be on your your second crop there and that could have got a bit screwed up with you know with with lack of planting opportunities in the last two autumns so just just keep that and just look ahead you don't want to end up in 26 with you know kind of fire brigade measures swapping crops around and Shay mentioned the tree crop rule or the two tree crop rule there earlier on just to 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 keep an eye on that one so look michael look there there are a few i could go on but look there i think they're the the main ones just for the moment and yeah yeah, it's an area that you you definitely could go on. It was three or four of my in, in my mind, I suppose, about that 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 probably people could be thinking about as well. But we 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 will come back to this space again during the year and make sure we're in plenty of time so that people can be thinking about those areas. But thinking about thinking forward, Shay, just in terms of mitigation of a little bit of risk that's out there, and you know, maybe with the weather as we as we 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 always talk about in this podcast, it is maybe getting trickier um now than it was maybe in the past. I don't know, but. In terms of forward selling grain, a lot of people probably have fallen out of practice of doing it, or do you think that's still an option out there? Definitely is an option, Michael, and I think it's a very live option that people should should think about. I mean, 2023 probably was the year where outside of malting barley, um, people would have countenanced selling forward any of their grain. And maybe in hindsight, with the way the, the, the yields turned out, probably wasn't you know wasn't a year to, to, to forward sell but that said i mean in 2022 if you looked at people who forward sold in 2022 some people made very good money on in 2022 based on forward selling so i think it's something that everybody should should look at 
I know Bourke Malt are are putting out uh, have put out prices there before Christmas, and I think it's been t- reasonably well taken up in terms of 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 malting barley. But I think it's something that you know there's an option to sell every day of the year. It doesn't have to be a- after harvest. So I think if people want to forward sell or not, uh, it's no harm to make a phone call to figure out what price is what price is available today or tomorrow. At least then you know. You don't have to sell, but at least you know what it's going to be. So I think even making that initial step of just asking what the what the price of grain is today gives you information about whether you should forward sell or not. Whether you take that option option afterwards it is entirely up to yourself. Then after that, any golden rules in that Shay, in terms of the amount of tonnage you should forward sell or how often you should forward sell? Yeah, I suppose the the, the rule of thumb really is a little and often. Um, I mean, if you think of it, traditionally, the lowest prices that we generally get are at harvest time when markets all across across the world are probably at their fullest. So we actually probably sell at the wrong time of the year. So generally speaking, I suppose you don't want to overextend yourself. So look at your long-term average yields on the farm and maybe sell, you know, a little bit at a time and no more, I suppose, overall than maybe 40 or 50% of what your average yields would be going back over the last four or five years. And that really, you know, it reduces the risk a little bit. Now, there's always risk. And I suppose the one thing people always worry about is if the price rises after after I sell. Uh, and I suppose the way I would look at that, and, I, and I've heard this from numerous farmers around the place, is that if the price rises after I sell a portion of my grain, well, that's good news. Um, so you're going to get more money for the grain you you have yet to sell, and that's that's good news generally speaking, you know. And I suppose thinking of straw, it's something else that probably looking back at last year now and where the straw market is at the moment, it's something farmers probably should be looking at now as well. Is trying to lock in deals for straw over the coming months as well, because no doubt a lot of their customers would have been left short last year and maybe scurrying around looking for straw in other markets or other or other places this year. So I would say for people who have long-term customers for straw, they should probably be doing the same and try and figure out what straw is required for those farms this year and planning to do planning to supply that straw for them. Kieran, I, I might leave the last word with you. Just thinking about that straw conversation that Chase after bringing up there a second ago, is there an opportunity maybe this year, especially maybe down your part of the world where a lot of dry or a lot of uh, intensive livestock farmers are going to be under a bit of pressure from the nitrates part of uh, the the house. Is there a potential there to do a deal with those farmers in terms of maybe swapping some some of the the, the straw for farmyard manure or, or maybe something along those lines? Oh, hugely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just talk to to you know your local or your whether it's a dairy farm or whatever whoever it is that that you sell straw to. Um, I mean, it's invaluable to get farm yard manure back. And if you can do some kind of a deal on that, and remember exporting that farm yard manure or slurry for that matter, you know, it, it's, it, it, can, it can be a win-win, you know. So I, I, I think we really do, we spoke about fertilizer prices, you know, importing farm yard manure can, can, can obviously help reduce that. And then it can it can obviously help, um, you know, the livestock farmer that you're, you're dealing with as well. And remember, I suppose, you, where you're selling straw, you possibly have a relationship there already, and that's obviously the first person or the easiest person to deal with in, in setting up a new arrangement for for slurry or our farmer manure swaps. So yeah, absolutely would would endorse it fully. Yeah. Listen, Kieran, thank you very much, and Shay, thank you very much uh, as usual for your excellent contribution. And uh, as I'm sure I'll be talking to you across the year. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Thanks So that's it for this episode. And my thanks to Shay and Kieran for their excellent contribution as usual. As we are in the new year, with many people making resolutions for change, 
One change you might strongly consider within the farm this year is improving farm safety for your family, your farm staff, but most especially for your own safety. This is a relatively quiet time of the year, so take some time to walk your yard and examine your machinery to make sure you have the very best safety equipment, not only in your farm, but stored correctly so that when it's needed, it's accessible. So finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague, and as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chargas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice. Before I sign off, another gentle reminder to please fill out the survey. The details are in the show notes.